Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He is almighty. We tend to forget that sometimes. We get lost in the circumstances, but our God is almighty. Praise His holy name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jody. Thank you, Sister Moen, for bringing us into the presence of the Lord this morning. As I said earlier, it's a wet and windy day. We are uh, doing this service online or, or audio only. Not a good day to be on the roads. A lot of flood, a lot of wind, a lot of debris, power outages and such, lights not working. So this is the day we want to just come together in spirit, even though we cannot be together physically. I was talking with pastor last night, and they both kind of lamented uh, you know, how 2020 has really disrupted the fellowship, the physical fellowship of the church, and we're just trusting that this will all soon pass, and we can get back together on a regular basis, but with a tropical storm out there, we wanted to be safe, we wanted you to be uh, in your homes, comfortable this morning, and so we thank God for the technology, we thank God for the ability to still be able to speak with you, to be able to share with you the Word of God. And uh, we're going to do so this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. While you're opening your Bible, let me just remind you that if you want to give today, uh, you can do so on our website, www.lhcogfl.org. You can go there, go to the contact page. Down there at the bottom, you will see the Givelify option. You'll see a PayPal option. Uh, if you don't do it, like to do things digitally, you can mail your gift, or you can just bring it with you in person next Sunday. Well, I already had a couple people drop off their gifts this morning, so praise God for faithfulness, and we thank God so much for your support of this ministry. We're we are living in a time where the world needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know, we know so much of what's happening around us is part of that final uh, end time, that final stage of world history. And we need to be ever vigilant and always on point in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me also remind you uh, to be on prayer call this afternoon at 5.30. I'm sure you're aware of the events of this week and our need to pray for our nation, pray for our church. So be on the prayer call at 5.30 this afternoon. Be on our Bible study call. That's Wednesday night at 7.45. We are Still talking about Jesus. 2020 is the year of Jesus in our Bible studies. So you want to be part of that. And hopefully, no more storms, no more disruptions. We can be back together next Sunday morning for Sunday school at 9.45 and our morning worship service. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
beginning at verse 1, says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience and the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. May God's blessings accompany the reading of his word. Let's pray over the word this morning. Father, thank you for this opportunity again to open the scriptures, to hear from heaven, to hear from your heart, to hear from your spirit. Make our hearts and minds receptive. Give us ears to hear today and eyes to see. Give me a mouth to speak your word this morning. Help me, Lord. You know my weaknesses, God. And I just pray that there will be an anointing on this word as it goes forth over these phone lines this morning. So it goes through the air. It will find willing soil. Let it take root. Let it bear fruit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last Sunday I talked to you about how Satan attacks the church, how he seeks to work his works, his schemes, his devices within the body of Christ. Just because we are the church, just because we are part of the body of Christ does not make us immune, does not mean that Satan has given up on us or has decided to just leave us alone. Indeed, he is taking every opportunity that he can to create conflict, to sow seeds of division and discontent, For by doing so, he hopes to limit and hinder the effectiveness of the church in ministering the gospel of Christ to a lost and dying world. And so we must be on our guard. We must learn to recognize Satan's strategies. We must learn to recognize when Satan is at work so that we might be able to overcome. And last week we talked specifically about the activity of Satan that, uh, that uh, Paul calls in chapter 3 the ministry of condemnation, how he puffs up the self-righteous and he, he tries to discourage and dishearten and destroy the broken. He tries to, to create an atmosphere in which, the con- in which all are condemned and none can find forgiveness. But we know that this unforgiveness is not of God, that forgiveness is the very heart of God. And that no matter what we've done or how far we have fallen, God is in the business of forgiving 
and cleansing us from sin and from all unrighteousness. And so we must not allow ourselves to be on either side of this ministry of condemnation. We are neither the condemners, nor are we the condemned. We are in Christ, and we have been set free, and there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. But this morning, I want to look at another strategy that Satan uses, another tactic that he tries to take advantage of among the people of God. And we're going to talk today about the ministry of unbelief, the ministry of unbelief. It may seem strange to your ears to, to, to hear this concept of unbelief as relates to the church. After all, one of the synonyms, one of the words that we use for the church of Jesus Christ, are they are the believers. By our very definition, we are a people of faith. We are a people who believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and so it would seem, at least on the surface, that we should not be vulnerable. We should not feel uh, or should not be able to be uh, distracted or to be hindered by a ministry of unbelief but never underestimate the cleverness and the, de- de- the deceitfulness of the enemy. He is very much capable of fostering a spirit of unbelief among those who call themselves people of faith. Indeed, one of the defining characteristics of the nation of Israel through its, uh, through its many iterations and its many journeys with God as though it was founded by the man called the father of faith, Father Abraham, the, 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 the greatest example in the Bible of faith. His, his descendants, at least biologically and physically, became better known for their unbelief and their doubt than they did for their faith. And we, we have to be careful. We must look at that example and take heed and take warning from it. We have come from a very powerful lineage of faith in, in our lives. Some of you may have had a father, mother, grandmother, grandfather, or farther back who, who was uh, the, the one who brought the family, brought the, brought the household into the kingdom of God through their unwavering faith and their absolute confidence in God. And indeed, Many of those have been blessed because of the faith of our forefathers and foremothers. But we must also understand that Satan renews his attack on faith in every generation. He renews his attack on faith in every life, in every generation. And if he can plant the seeds of doubt, of unbelief in the very heart of the church itself, he can do great damage and great destruction to the ability of the church to be effective in its ministry and in its evangelistic endeavors. And, and what Paul is writing about here to the Second Corinthians, I think, is very timely for the moment that we live in. Let's look at the word very quickly. He's, in, at the end of chapter 3, he is talking about how the Jews, how the, the people of Israel, even though they were covenant-bound to God, 
the majority, the, the, the nation as a whole, uh, ended up rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think we can sort of draw some analogies in our own experience here in the United States of America, although we're certainly not uh, uh, a uniform nation in covenant with God. There are, there are many uh, examples of the founders and the leaders and those who, who are instrumental in this nation coming into existence who had a, a deep and abiding faith in the God of Scripture and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly that's a legacy that for many, many generations uh, has been a blessing to our nation and to the church of the United States. We are by far, uh, with, with, with no equal, with no rival, we are by far the most prosperous and the most plentiful of, of churches because of this blessing, this heritage, this uh, passing down from generation to generation, this faith covenant. And we know very much that that uh, particular situation is, is in great peril. As I speak to you this morning, we know that uh, the last uh, uh, generation has, has been a time of, of rejecting the, the foundations of uprooting the foundations of destroying the foundations and of faith in, in not only in the nation as a whole but within the body of Christ in particular there has been a, a great spirit of unbelief it's afflicted our children it's afflicted our grandchildren Satan has has taken prisoner through unbelief many of those who were dedicated and baptized and consecrated and committed in the house of God. And we need to understand how this works. We need to understand how does unbelief take root in a family? How does unbelief take root in a church? How does it take root in a heart? We know that the God of this age that Paul is talking about is Satan. He is described in several different scriptures as the prince of this world, the God of this world, the ruler of the ruler of this world, he, it is, this is not uh, in the sense of uh, the physical earth. We know the earth is the Lord's and all the inhabitants thereof. But uh, this word uh, world doesn't mean the, the planet, the physical part of it. But it does refer to the order of things, the culture, the, the politics, the entertainment, the, uh, all of the various things that go into making a society uh, and giving a society an identity, we are told at the heart of that, at the top of that ladder, Satan is, is, is very uh, much entrenched, even though most people don't even realize it, that they, when they pay homage, when they worship the things of this world, they are worshiping the God of this world. And, and he has blinded through uh, the various cultures and the various uh, societies and the various social activities and uh, political activities and uh, economic activities. He has used these worldly instruments to blind the minds of people so that when the gospel of Christ is presented to them, they are, uh, they are disinclined. They are very doubtful because it stands in such contrast to what they have built their life upon. I, I, I was, again, had a, 
a nice conversation last night with with another pastor, and and uh, we talked about this the, the the new religion of America or the religion of America uh, is 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 very much. Uh, uh, a political, uh, economic, social cult. It is uh, uh, actually it's a, several cults. You, you know, uh, uh, there's a democratic cult. There's a republican cult. There's a there's a conservative cult. There's a liberal cult. With and it's got its prophets in the media. It's got its priesthoods uh, in, in 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 the senates and in the congresses and the governors. And it's it's very much a a, a counterfeit, competitive. Uh, a religion with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and we were talking about this and how difficult it is to disentangle and to separate the church from this cultic activity that is, is, is so powerful right now in our nation. And, and, and we were just discussing, you know, it's going to have to be a work of God. It's going to have to be a work of the Holy Spirit. This is more than anyone uh, can, can really do, any church can do, any minister can do. It has to be God's work. And I pray that God will do so. I pray that God will give us revival. I pray that God will, will give us a, a new vision what, uh, of what we, the church, are to be in, in our nation. But if we go back to the text this morning, we see that the God of this age is actively engaged in corrupting the minds of those so that of, of, of people that so they will reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I want to give you several instances or several examples of how that works. And Paul mentions one of them here, right at the very beginning of the passage. He talks about having about renouncing those things that are shameful and crafty and manipulative. That word handling there is, means manipula- manipulating the word of God deceitfully. And I think the church has to take a very long look in the mirror in reading this verse. There are many ministers of the gospel. And we can, we can debate their motives. I'm not here to really uh, pass judgment. or Again, no ministry of condemnation. But simply, uh, whether it's out of a desire uh, for 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 personal accomplishment or a desire, or maybe they sincerely believe that they can do some good this way. There are many, many in, in, in every denomination. This isn't just a, a throwing stones at, at this church or that church. They're everywhere. They're in the church of God as much as they're anywhere else who manipulate the Word of God, who take stuff out and put stuff in, who put certain things to the side, who don't teach or preach the whole counsel of God, because they believe that, uh, uh, or, or they, they, they compromise it in order to, be, to make it acceptable and palatable to, to the world. I, I remember, uh, you know, one of the many, many times in my ministry that I was encouraged to buy this book and, and take this course and do this conference and all those things. And, and over the time, I've, I've, been, uh, I've gotten so weary so, so just uh, uh, to the point where I don't even, I don't even bother with it anymore, uh, uh, of trying to, uh, to, to, to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ by, by compromised means, by manipulative 
means. I'm not talking, you know, and again, I'm speaking only for myself about, uh, about how, some, how some churches and how some ministers go about their business. They will answer to God. But I have determined in my own heart, I've determined that my ministry will be one where the gospel of Jesus Christ will be presented in its entire counsel. And if it's not for you, if it's not what you want to hear, so be it. But I'm not going to uh, compromise it. I'm not going to leave some hard parts out of it just to, to gain a couple of more people in the pews or to gain somewhat more of a reputation. We cannot contribute. Uh, too many of the gospel preachers are, are willful contributors and willful co-conspirators with the devil in fostering this spirit of unbelief. Because here is what happened. When you have been fed a manipulated word for so long, when you have been fed a compromised word for so long, you lose your ability to discern the truth. You, when the truth does come, if you accidentally wander into a church that is preaching the truth, you will reject it because it does not correspond with that compromised gospel that you have been feeding on, you know, it's very, it's very difficult these days. You know, we, we, we look at the, uh, the, the battle, we look at the fight that we're fighting to just to hold on to some basic core ideas, things that you would think would not even necessarily need to be defended among people of faith, among believers in Jesus Christ. And yet, we see example after example, and we saw it this week, how, how the church will, will, will find a way. And I'm not speaking left or right, blue or red. I'm talking both sides. I, as far as I'm concerned, they're both cults at this point. But how the church will find a way to rationalize and justify uh, supporting one agenda or another agenda uh, and, and, and willfully turn their back on uh, uh, the, 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 absolute, uh, 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 the absolute uniqueness of and exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are willfully doing the devil's work. We are co-conspirators with Satan when we manipulate the word of God, when we do so, even if we do so for the best of reasons. I've, I've had some tell me, you know, you, you just need to get them in the door and, 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 and God will take care of the rest. So it doesn't matter how you get them in the door. I, I said, you know, God, God, can't, God won't uh, work deceitfully that way. He, 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 we're not here to deceive people into being Christians or following Christ. If they don't understand the commitment they're making, if they don't understand uh, the choice that's been put before them, they won't last. They won't endure because, you know, if, if they, when things get tough and difficult and it turns out not to be what they thought it was going to be, they're going to, they're going to throw the whole thing out. They're going to consider the whole thing a deception and a lie, and, and they're not going to distinguish and they're not going to differentiate uh, between the parts. So we've got to preach openly and honestly the whole counsel of the gospel of Christ uh, and, and not manipulate, not Use it as a weapon of deception. Don't do the devil's work. We cannot prosper by using the tactics of the enemy. That is not our way. 
There's, there's, there's so many examples that come to my mind. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because you know, there's more I want to talk about to you, with you this morning. But uh, I just, we have to renounce the hidden ways of shame, of craftiness, and of manipulation of the Word of God in a deceitful way. We have got to manifest the truth because we are not simply speaking to people's uh, emotions. We're not simply speaking, you know, there's people who have, who, have become, <coughs> who have become masters of manipulating the emotions of a crowd. You, you see it in politics. You see it in entertainment. You see it uh, on social media. There's people that know exactly what button to push to get the, the reaction that they desire, what phrase to use to, to inspire or provoke people to respond. And, and we've adopted much of that in the church. We've, we've turned a lot of what we do in church to just playing on the emotion, playing on the, uh, on the, just the, the, the reactions of people to certain kinds of stimuli. But notice... Paul says here, what we mani- his mission was to manifest the truth and commit it to the conscience, to the conscience of those who hear it. Not to speak to their emotion, but to speak to their conscience, to speak to the seat of their will, of their, uh, of their absolute um, knowledge of good and of evil. If we are not addressing the conscience of our people, if we are not addressing the conscience of the nation, one of the reasons why the church is in the world is to be the conscience of its community. And we have sold that conscience. We have sold our ministry for favor and for certain advantage, be it political or be it economic, and God help us. Because there are many, many today who can no longer preach the whole truth, no longer share the whole word of God because they have sold their conscience into the hands of the enemy. Our goal is not to reach you at a superficial level, not to reach the world at a superficial level, but to reach the world at the heart, at the conscience, which everyone will answer for for God. Now, even when we speak to the conscience, there is still a veil that exists that has to be and can only be penetrated by the light of the glory of Christ. This unbelief, this ministry of unbelief takes root in some people through the mishandling and the misapplication of the Word of God. It takes root in others through a a cultic devotion to tradition a cultic devotion to tradition. Let me explain what I'm talking about there. I I am considered, I think, by most people who know me to be a very traditional person. I I love my traditions. I I still wear a suit and tie on Sunday mornings. I've debated giving up the tie just because South Florida is not kind with the heat and the humidity, but you know, I just feel I, I just feel like you know, if I was going to work, I'd wear a uniform to work. So I, you know, that suit and tie—that's my uniform 
for doing the, the, the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it sounds silly, but you know, it's, it's just one of those, one of those things. I, I believe very much in, in a lot of the traditions that we have in our movement, in our denomination. Those traditions are precious to me. I am still to this day a King James Bible preacher. I, I, I now let me be careful with that because I know I know there are some who are who, who are King James only, and I'm not King James only. I read I read from many different uh, translations and versions of the Bible in my devotions and my studies. As a matter of fact, my my practice is to uh, each year buy a different translation or different uh, 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 version of the Bible for my personal devotions. I've, I've gone through the Orthodox Bible. I've gone through, I, I can't even keep count of, of how many. And, and I find value in all of it. But, you know, for me, when I step into the pulpit, I've got a King James Bible in my hand. Because to me, that's just the, 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 the tradition that was handed down to me and from, from my father, and, and I, just, I just feel you know, that's, uh, that's the, the, the way of expressing the Word of God that I most uh, enjoy and, and most uh, are edified by. But I tell you this, when the King James Bible was introduced, most of the Protestant world rejected it because it was considered a Catholic Bible. King James was a Catholic king. And it had all those extra books that the Catholic Bible had into it. So isn't it funny how traditions can <clears throat> evolve and, and change over time? But there are some traditions, some people that are so cultically devoted to their traditions that any time God wants to do anything different or anything new, they automatically reject. We reject the unfamiliar we reject the new thing because it doesn't line up with our expectations. We had a, I, I know some people were, you know, I, I know they called the election yesterday. We'll see how all that turns out. I, I'm not a prophet on those things. I don't know. But if we do have a new president and a new vice president elect and, and they're going to take, their administration is going to take power, I'm going to pray for them just like I prayed for this administration, just like I prayed for the last one. I, 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 you know, to me, God can work. He, he can speak through a donkey. He can, he can work through anyone, and I'm just going to pray for God to do it. But, you know, some people had a certain expectation. And when that expectation was not met, I know people who really were shaken and really uh, are almost, uh, in some cases, very violent uh, in their spirit in rejecting uh, the, the, the new thing or the new way that God is going to work in our country. And I tell you, church, we've we got to watch ourselves and check ourselves constantly. We cannot put God in chains and say that there's only certain ways that God can do things. We know that every time revival has come and every time uh, the Spirit of God has been at work in the world, the greatest resistance to revival and the greatest hindrance to the Spirit of God working is this rejection of a new thing or a new way uh, of doing things. And, and so often the devil plays on that. Well, that's not the way you were taught or that's not the way you did it when you were in this church or that's not the way we did it back in, 
in the old days or whatever it is, the devil will use that. He will use that as a way of hindering the work of God. God God is not a slave to traditions. He will work through people and He will work in ways that you and I cannot even imagine and can't even understand. And that's why it's so important to have the Holy Spirit's guidance, direction, and discernment when anything comes along. And, 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 and those that the devil has convinced that any deviation from the norm, any deviation from the way we have set things up is not of God and must be ultimately rejected. This is the excuse that we use to condemn the Pentecostal movement in its early days, and it's still an excuse that's being used today to, to, to justify rejecting what God is trying to do in this generation. The enemy loves bondage. He loves to bind us to anything that, 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 that will hold us back or keep us from experiencing the fullness of what God has for us. And tradition becomes a very powerful tool when we're more devoted and more loyal to our traditions than we are to our God and to Christ. Now, the devil is an equal opportunity offender, and he will go the other direction as well. There are times where, you know, we we tend to throw out a tradition or reject a tradition for no good reason. Not because God has said to do it, but just because we have a desire or a love for something new. Indeed, there are some who are so committed to finding the next thing or finding the new thing that they never become stable, never become established. They're constantly looking for the next sign, the next wonder, the next thing to, to, to fuel whatever emotional uh, roller coaster that they're on. That's also a way of bondage. That's also a way the enemy will use our fear or rejection of tradition against us. Where we can overcome him, where we can defeat him, is to recognize when the Spirit of God is genuinely moving. And we do that by looking into, Paul says, the face of Jesus Christ. Anything that brings that glory that is in the faith of Jesus Christ to bear, anything that causes the light to shine in the darkness, anything that uncovers the hidden world of deceit and, and, and sin, anything that exposes unrighteousness, anything that helps to establish faith in God alone is of the Holy Spirit. We need to be careful. We need to be careful in condemning outright or rejecting outright something just because it's not what we're used to. I pray daily. I pray, God, give me discernment. Help me to see. I've really struggled. I'll be honest with you. This year has been a struggle because everything seems to be different. And I've, I've really, I've, I'm, as I said, I'm a very traditional person. And it's been a struggle for me. To, to adapt and to change and to evolve and to, and to try to get a handle on the new things that God is, is, is doing in his body here at Lighthouse and, and here in, in America. But I tell you, God helps us. God helps me. And I, I've learned not to just dismiss something or just to speak very 
very uh, contemptuously of something before I know whether or not it is of God. The enemy specializes in the ministry of unbelief. He loves to bring us to that place where we are rejecting everything except that which we have already uh, uh established as our version or our way or our tradition. This was the problem among many of those of Israel when the gospel was first preached to them, and it is the problem today when the gospel is preached in the house of the Lord. And one last thing here. I, I, I'll get you out of here very quickly, but I just want you to understand that this ministry of unbelief is not simply about... Uh, 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 rejecting the gospel or rejecting the, 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 the message, the word of God. But it's very much also about, and, and this is what the enemy is so good at, it's about undermining the faith of others, casting doubts, casting, you know, causing others to doubt or question. Jesus pronounced some very harsh words, some of the harshest and, and meanest things that Jesus said, he said in regards to those who mislead others or, or deceive others or cause one of these little ones to perish by setting something before them that was not genuine and true. And, and we've got to be careful, not only for ourselves, but for those around us, by allowing our own reactions and our own words and our own way of living to become a stumbling block, to cause someone else to doubt their faith, to cause someone else to, to disbelieve the word or disbelieve the gospel because they did not see in us the evidence of its truthfulness. And that's what Paul is talking about here at the, at the end of the passage that we, we He says, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For the same God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. We must exude the light of the glory of God. If we allow our lives to be compromised, if we allow ourselves to become an excuse for somebody else's unbelief, we are being used by the enemy to undermine and destroy the faith of those who would have or could have come to Jesus Christ. I know that's an awesome responsibility. I look at that very, very carefully. I, I, I measure myself against that because I know I'm not merely just a preacher of the Word of God. It's not simply about what I say in these Sunday gatherings or on Wednesday nights, but looking at my life, the way I live my life, I try to be ever so careful not to let anything in me and something I say, something I do, certain, uh, a certain way of doing. There's many things I deny myself, not necessarily because they're bad things or evil things, but because I simply know that there are others who if they saw me in that circumstance or in that situation uh, might have cause to doubt or might have cause to disbelieve. You say, it's not fair, Pastor. Well, what's not fair is 
our, our whole experience with God. We're not being dealt with fairly. We're being dealt with in mercy. We're being dealt with in grace. God is reaching across to us to save us and bring us into relationship to Christ in spite of all of our sins, our weaknesses, our flaws. The least we can do is allow ourselves, our life, to become an instrument by which others are, are made to see the glory of God through us. It's one of the reasons why I don't talk politics with people. It's one of the reasons why I don't get into some of the conversations that, that are, are ongoing in our world because I understand that while I may think one way or believe one way, that the enemy is poised and ready to use that uh, to, to poison the minds or to or cast a veil over the minds of some who might disagree. I know you say, well, that's not fair. Again, grace, mercy. Again, bond servants, bond slaves. Again, we are bought with a price. We are not our own. Uh, I, 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 I'm very guarded, very guarded in, in talking about anything but Jesus Christ because I know how the enemy works and he can sow unbelief and doubt and fear into any heart and any mind using whatever means is available to him. And I do not want to be an instrument of unbelief for the God of this world. I don't want him to use my life and I don't want him to use yours. And I don't want him to use this church as a means of of causing people to doubt the sincerity, the genuineness, and the glory of the gospel of Christ. We must stand against this ministry of unbelief. How do we overcome it? We overcome it by walking by faith, by letting unbelief take no root, no, no seed of unbelief in us. Guard your mind and heart very carefully. Don't let any, any root of bitterness, of unbelief, take root in your heart, and in your mind. Believe God at all times. Believe in the Lord and you shall be established. Believe as prophets and you shall prosper. Let faith define your character. Let it define your conscience. And let it define your conduct. It's so important that when people look at us, they see that evidence of that faith, that unwavering, unswerving faith that abounding faith in Christ Jesus and in his gospel and in his word. Let faith arise in each of our souls. I don't know what the next week's going to bring, what the next year's going to bring, what the next four years are going to bring, but we are people of faith. Unbelief does not become us. We are people who trust in God no matter what. And the same God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who said, let there be light, will command the glory of God and his gospel to shine through us in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we know that the enemy is at work in our world. He is sowing seeds of doubt, unbelief, causing a lot of disruption, causing a lot of chaos. He's the agent of chaos. Everything he does is to undermine the faith of your people, 
to cause us to fear, to cause us to doubt, to cause us to disbelieve. But we stand here assured today that the gospel of Jesus Christ is as true and powerful today as it has ever been. It can still change lives. It can still change hearts. It can still change the destiny of a nation. It can still change your church. I pray today, God, we will not be found among those who undermine faith by manipulating the word. We will not be found among those who who undermine and destroy faith and allow unbelief to prosper because we have... We have have abandoned the core principles and the core truths. I pray today, God, that you will find faith on the earth when you return because that faith will be resident in us. Lord, rebuke the enemy for our sake, for your people's sake. Don't let unbelief and doubt rule over our hearts and minds. Let faith give us assurance Faith is assurance, it's confidence, it's trust, Lord, that all will be well because of Christ Jesus. Help us, O God, to be shining beacons of faith to a world that does not believe. Lift the veil, lift the blindness, the blindness over the hearts and minds of our children, the blindness over the hearts and minds of our grandchildren, the blindness that rules over our family members, over our friends, over our co-workers, that veil that keeps them from seeing truth, seeing the light, command the light to shine into the darkness of their hearts, of their minds. Speak to their consciences, Lord. Let unbelief be rooted up. Let faith be sown. Let it bear fruit. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Do not be unbelieving, but believe, Jesus said. I am am a believer today. I am a believer today, and I know you are as well. And so we'll bring this service to an end by partaking together in communion one with another of the body and the bread of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we're done with communion this morning, stay on the line. I just want to have a quick word of prayer for our nation. Whatever may come, whoever the Lord raises up, we know that God is still on the throne. And we're going to pray for the peace of our, of our nation and pray for the, the administration to come, that God will be glorified and that we'll, he'll do his work through whatever instruments are available to him. Hallelujah. God bless you all. Look forward to seeing you all in person next week. Until then, be on the call this afternoon at 5.30. Be on the call Wednesday night at 7.45. God bless you. Be safe today. Stay indoors. Stay dry. God be with you.
This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. Or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.